Hello and welcome to the Doxology Podcast. I'm Jens Nelson. And I'm Lucas Stock. This is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. Join us as we discuss and investigate theology and the Christian life, striving for unity amongst our diversity as members of Christ's church. So Lucas, on today's Christians of History episode, we're talking about like our 13th, 14th, maybe 15th John. Um, apparently there are a lot of men named John. Fun fact, Jens in Norwegian is John. Um, Lucas in Scandinavian is also John. My wife, Hannah, is uh, German for John. I think just everyone's name <laughs> can go back to John. So why don't you take it away with our other John today? All right. Thanks, John. Um, so John Chrysostom lived from approximately 349 to 407 uh, in the year of our Lord, which actually, it's funny, a professor of mine at the beginning of this semester made a point to say, if you're going to say AD, you have to say it first because it means in the year of our Lord. So it's not 349 in the year of our Lord. It's in the year of our Lord, 349. So it doesn't make sense to say 349 AD. So he was he approximately lived AD 349 to 407. Or he lived 349 to 407 in the Common Era. You know, either way, whatever. It's not a theology issue. Okay. Okay. Anyway, John Chrysostom. So he uh, was... Chrysostom is not really his name. It is sort of a... Um, almost like a like a title that he kind of earned um, because of his uh, really really uh, explosive well not explosive but um, well renowned well regarded powerful sermons that he was known for during his ministry. So Chrysostom basically means golden mouthed um, in Greek or something like that, um, and he kind of all became, I can think of is a uh, golden face from from the office <laughs> yes <laughs> um, just picture jim with gold paint shooting toby's head spoiler alert <laughs> um but he uh was raised by a a widow his mother was widowed fairly young um and she was a devout a devout christian and he basically wanted to go off and be a monk. Um, he, he was, he was well-educated. Um, he was actually well-educated by a very well-known um, pagan, uh, his, uh, I don't know, like, like philosopher or, or, or you know, rhetorician or I, I, I don't know, but, but a pagan teacher named Libanius. Um, and apparently... Uh, at, this might not this might be a little apocryphal, but apparently when Libanius was dying, um, he said that John Chrysostom would have been his successor, quote, if the Christians had not taken him from us, end quote, which is kind of a fun thought. <laughs> so, 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 so John was well-educated. His mother made sure that he was well taken care of as far as things like that. But he, he wanted to go off and be a monk, but his mom kind of like, she was like, he talks about this in his work uh, uh, on the priesthood. Like, his mom kind of like guilted him into sticking around to help, um, like, administer her affairs and take care of her because she was a widow in ancient Greco-Roman society. She didn't really have any social, you know, power or status. So um, he kind of like stuck around to help her out, even though he really wanted to go off and be a monk. 
Eventually, he did go off and become a monk. Um, he basically lived in the desert as a hermit for a couple years. Um, and <laughs> he kind of destroyed his health <laughs> in the process, which is something I feel like we kind of hear a lot about when we think about, you know, the really, really devoted kind of extreme ascetic type people from church history. Um, like even even Luther had uh, health problems lifelong from from uh, the asceticism he strove for during his, his days as a monk. So um, I think that's kind of just a, a really interesting little quirk of, of church history is how many people kind of, you know, give themselves chronic health issues because of their just commitment to the ascetic life, um, just just denying the body, like, to the extreme. <laughs> um, but so I forgot to mention he was from Antioch. So he came back to Antioch when he, uh, you know, his health was failing. Um, so he was eventually ordained in the church, first as a deacon and then as a priest a few years later. And his book I mentioned on the priesthood is a really, really interesting read because, um, and a very convicting read for anyone who like has a desire or feels a call to the ministry. Um, he found out that he was going to be ordained and his, he, he tried to run away. He actually did run away (laughs) and he successfully avoided being ordained. Um, for a time, but then eventually uh, was 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 ordained and, and became a deacon, like I said, a few years later, a priest. Um, and it was during his time as a priest in Antioch that he kind of started to, I guess, make a name for himself through his preaching, through his ministry. Um, particularly, there was, a, there was an event called the Affair of the Statues that he really got attention for. Um, so there was a, there was a rebellion or rebellions, maybe a strong word. There was like a revolt in Antioch in 388, um, over increased taxes and the, the, the people or the crowds or the mobs or whatever, they, they basically smashed up a bunch of statues of the emperor and his family to kind of express their, their rage. Um, kind of like my rage when my recording just shuts down mid-episode and we have to renew uh our recording and piece it together later anyway, it happens a lot guys um, i do a really good job of editing it <laughs> he does he does you probably didn't even know it because of how good his editing skills are <laughs> um but this obviously made the emperor not very happy so he kind of um came down pretty hard on the city uh, punished officials, even killed some of them. And the Archbishop of Antioch went to Rome to basically plead for the city to kind of ask the emperor to forgive them kind of thing. So that was 800 miles away. So while the Archbishop was gone during this time of really tense anxiety and fear that, you know, they're afraid that the army is going to come in and, you know, burn the city or the emperor is going to punish them even worse with higher taxes or, you know, whatever they're thinking. Um, John is during this time preaching to the city in the midst of all of this. Um, And uh, he's really standing out. People are, people are, um, you know, noticing. Um, There's a quote here from this Christianity Today article on um, John Chrysostom. He says, improve yourselves now truly. Not as when one 
not as when during one of the numerous earthquakes or in famine or drought or in similar visitations you leave off your sinning for three or four days and then begin the old life again. Um, and, it, you know, on the one hand, he's really like gaining popularity, but you can also even hear in that he's calling in the midst of a city who had a, had a riot and they're afraid of the emperor's retaliation and the archbishop himself has left to go plead for forgiveness. Like he's calling he's he's preaching repentance to those people he's saying don't just repent now because you're scared um change your life by by turning to christ you know repentance you know um so you kind of get a taste of of his style it was definitely not compromising it wasn't seeker friendly you might say in today's terms um but the archbishop returned it was good news the emperor you know kind of let it go kind of forgave them and so you know since it was kind of a good result, John kind of got popularity out of out of this time where he was preaching to these people for weeks in the midst of this, you know, local crisis. Um, he became very popular. His sermons were well attended. Um, he didn't necessarily feel as though people were actually really listening to him or, or, or more specifically hearing the message he was preaching maybe all the time. Um, he kind of railed, still continued to rail against their uh, maybe hypocrisy when they go to church to hear him preach, you know, and like clap, but then they go to the horse races and they're way more interested in, in you know, which horse is winning the race and all that kind of stuff. Um, and also... Sounds kind of like us with football today. Yeah, maybe a little bit. <laughs> um, but he, you know, he a big he was really concerned with justice not you know things like repentance uh giving to the poor caring for the needy um things you know those were really really big concerns uh for him theologically i think and spiritually and as a result they were really really prominent themes in his preaching um and this continued even during the next season of his ministry which is perhaps the most interesting you know certainly the most significant um he became the patriarch of constantinople um the the bishop of constantinople which was the most prominent city in the eastern empire um i believe at this stage in uh roman history this is where the emperor lived at constantinople um and the church of constantinople the 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 patriarch the um uh, the the bishop the archbishop was a really really prominent church in in it was one of the big churches you know you have Rome Antioch Alexandria Jerusalem Constantinople um, very important uh, position within the empire at this stage because Christianity is now the religion of the empire as well as within the church um, but he didn't just one day get asked to be patriarch and he said okay you know I accept um, he was literally kidnapped by government officials <laughs> because they wanted the best preacher to be the bishop in Constantinople. So he was kidnapped and kind of forcibly, well, not kind of, he was kidnapped and forcibly made patriarch of Constantinople. Um, but he didn't, he didn't, you know, leave. He stayed and served as, as patriarch, which is, it's just all in all a very, very interesting story. Uh, 
you know, I don't think we really have anything like that happening nowadays. Um, I think it'd be a little weird to imagine any kind of government official stealing a bishop. <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe someone but, will swoop in and get J-Mac over in California. And <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> Pope Pope John, the Pope John. I, don't, I can't even think of anything. <laughs> the evangelical Pope. Um, but uh, it's what, what's also really cool about John is that his preaching didn't slow down. Uh, or change theme or change topics, even as he is now preaching to the royal family and to the, the, the royal courts of the empire um, due to his, you know, the position of, of his church or the church that he's now serving. But he's continuing to, to preach against, you know, wealth and hoarding wealth and not treating the poor fairly. Um, there's a really great quote, if I can only find it um i had it pulled up oh darn it um where he's basically talking about how it's and he's and this is being preached to the royal family like i said he's he's preaching about how wrong it is to have a bunch of coats in your closet um when there are human beings who are cold and exposed and have no clothing and um are are you know, suffering. Um, and, and again, that kind of a sermon being delivered directly to the emperor's face is, is just quite a stark image in my mind of, of the kind of preacher he was. You know, um, we just did an episode mm-hmm. on retrieval for renewal. Uh, maybe it's we time did. that we retrieve that practice to renew <laughs> how people talk to our leader of the government. Uh, maybe that would maybe hmm. that might work. I, Probably won't, but it might work. Um, it might at least be good, even if it doesn't work. Um, and yeah, what's also super interesting is he, 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 you know, he was still very well-liked and popular in terms of the people like kind of what he's standing for and, and his sermons are very top-notch and he's a great orator as well as preacher. Um, but, you know, for a variety of reasons um, that combines church politics, empire politics, personal grudges, just a lot of ugliness. Constant, uh, not Constantinople, John Chrysostom was basically deposed. He was basically kicked out of office and sent into exile by the, by the emperor and the empress, um, which is, you know, bad enough, but then he's, you know, sent in the middle of summer, just out into the wilderness of Asia Minor. Um, and he's, you know, traveling, visiting people, being taken care of by people who know him and stuff. And uh, then his health kind of just gave out and, and he just dies um, in exile, really for no reason. <laughs> um, and that's, it's kind of a, it's kind of sad. Um, it's very sad, obviously. Um, but I, I, I think that despite the, the sad end, um, I think it's clear that, that John Chrysostom is a name worth knowing and, and his work is worth holding on to, whether we're talking about retrieval or whether we're just talking about the impact of his life, of, of his faithful ministry. Even in the face of literally being kidnapped <laughs> to become bishop, he continued, uh, his message didn't change. 
you know, he didn't cozy up to power. He didn't abandon what he felt was God's call in his life. You know, like, okay, God has brought me here through not very great circumstances, but here I am. I'm going to serve in this, you know, like he really, you know, he not only was someone who earned his title of golden mouth by, by the way he spoke, um, but he was someone who demonstrated faithfulness all throughout his life and all throughout his ministry. And I think that that's awesome. We have, you know, I've mentioned um, the, the uh, six books on the priesthood or, or on the priesthood by, by John Chrysostom. It's a fantastic work. It's, it's challenging. Um, it's, it's convicting at times. It's very interesting. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it's quite a unique book, and, and I would highly recommend reading it. We have like hundreds of sermons have survived from him. Um, that 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 survived down to today that we have access to um so there really is no shortage of chrysostom's work uh that we have today um which is such a great thing because um in so many ways he really is someone who's like i said whose life and work and ministry kind of deserve and demand to be remembered um and to be celebrated um yesterday as of the day time of this recording yesterday was actually his feast day which is what gave me the idea to to do this episode um and really it just just an amazing uh early church father patriarch uh you know preacher um and yeah that's kind of that's kind of the overview cool john chrysostom very cool i mean i'm i'm it's easy to make jokes about our current situations but in reality i mean imagine if more pastors and, and preachers priests lived this way you know to be kidnapped and taken and you know kind of forced to do what you've always been doing but in a place that you probably don't necessarily want to be i don't know i think there's something to be said for that you know global pandemics (laughs) you know hit the world um and you can't gather (laughs) in your large mega church um man persecution sucks right Ah, well, anyway, thank you for listening to this episode of the Doxology Podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, you can hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at Doxology Podcast. You can email us at doxologypodcast at gmail.com. We love your feedback, your questions, episode ideas. Tell us who you want us to talk about on the next Christians of History. Uh, Sign up for our newsletter and check out logos.com. 